show number 97 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Okay, welcome to the podcast. Okay, it's fine. It's Which fine. we do for no publicity and no pay. <laughs> and no point and, you know. So, our next show. Our next show. Creeping ever closer to show 100. 100, for which we still have absolutely no idea. I know, I know, it's terrible. We're gonna. I did have an idea, and then I forgot it. But (laughs) so I don't know. Maybe we'll get to 100 and pretend it's 101 and talk about what a great show 100 was. We'll just skip right over it, and you'll all think, "Oh, I missed it. I missed the big anniversary show." Yeah. Well, maybe maybe Jack the podcasting dog will have an idea. (laughs) One that involves chewing on rawhide. That's what it'll be. It's going to be a whole hour of listening to him chew on a rawhide toy with like Star Trek episodes on in the background. How's that? Yeah, I could I could go for that. Okay, good. It'll become a YouTube classic. Excellent. So I want to start out <laughs> this show yes. by talking about Shatner Dreams. <gasps> Is there anything better? Nah. Okay, good. So first I want to tell you the one I had last night, which I haven't posted to the Dream blog yet. Okay. Um, I was in this one with Bill. Yay! Always good. Always good. We were, um, of course, on the Enterprise... And we were in the the Wrath of Khan. But, of course, it was totally different from the Wrath of Khan. And Spock and Uhura were getting married. So they were going all over the ship looking for the right room to get married (laughs) in. The chapel. And we were aware that this was the Wrath of Khan, that we Mm -hmm. were in this movie. And at one point, I said, we're more than halfway through this, and it's been nothing but exposition. (laughs) And Kirk said to me, it gets better. <sighs> yeah. Oh. He looked hot. I was going to ask. That was my next question. He looked question. really hot in that, you know, red uniform oh. and holding my hand oh. as we trailed around after Spock and Uhura. And it was cool. That's great. Yeah. And and Khan never did show up, oh. so <laughs> it was like the wrath of Khan light. <laughs> the, the irritation of Khan. <laughs> The minor annoyance of Khan. Yeah. I wanted to mention something that I posted to the blog. So I've been trying to post more stuff to the blog recently, and there have been some funny YouTube videos and things like that. But the most recent thing was a drawing that um, Logan showed to me that was uh, McCain Obama as Kirk and Spock. Yes. And I love Drew Friedman. He does wonderful illustrations, and he's been doing them for The New Yorker and The New York Observer for a long time. And there's an article that goes with it, which is pretty good, and it just talks about really in terms of candidates that they're very um, opposite in that way that mm-hmm. you know, McCain is now, I mean, he used to be this way, but now he's like this cranky old guy who goes off on, on a tangent and yeah. is very emotional and has these reactions. And Obama is more of the, you know, cool, dispassionate type. So they were just doing a comparison. But my big thing was that, you know, it's really sad that it's McCain in the Kirk role because he's a troll. Yes. <laughs> well, I liked your comment that he looks more like Matt Decker when he's going insane. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at it and going, yeah, the expression they drew on his face and everything. It's really Matt Decker. It's kind of scary. But imagine if if, um, Kirk or Bill was, like, you know, running for office. He'd win because he doesn't like to lose, right? Right. He'd be all out there. Yeah. He'd definitely win. I don't think he'd be a good president. No, no, not at all. He'd be yelling at people too much. Yeah. Um, But the best part was in the comments because there were a lot of comments uh-huh. to this story where someone said, 
Um, Sarah Palin is Yeoman Janice Rand. Yes. No doubt about it. That's so true. Yep. So that made me laugh. I it did. That really that, that was really good. I'm glad yes. you posted that one because that that's kind of scary. So uh, here's a quick question that we can talk about, and I think this could be homework for people if they're okay. interested in answering it. And this was a question that came to us from our man in New Zealand, Greg, who says, um, in that article that we had talked about, A Life in the Day, William Shatner, Bill mm-hmm. mentions that just for a change, it would be nice to try the scruffy, unshaven look, but that only really works if you're a young guy. If Bill was a young guy today, would he suit the unshaven look? Discuss. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Why do you not think so? Well, okay, there's a, a glorious picture sitting right over there. <laughs> and we should talk about the picture, too, because it's one where his eyes follow you as you walk around. Oh. And this is about as scruffy as we ever saw him, where his hair was sort of, mm-hmm. you know, falling over his mm-hmm. um, forehead. And that is very, very appealing. And, of course, I, you know, I love when he's dirty from fighting and stuff like that. But the, the scruffy half-beard thing... Mm-hmm. It's almost like, I don't know, that, that looks good on guys who, who need that sort of definition to their face, mm-hmm. and I don't think he needs it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's, what's he, your reason? Well, first of all, he was scruffy in Star Trek V at the beginning when they're supposed to be camping. Yeah, but the thing is, well, and he got scruffy too in the, in the one uh, oh, in undiscovered six. country yeah, yeah, yeah. where they were, were in Klingon prison. But, um... There's there's a difference to me between being scruffy because you're camping and being scruffy because that's the look you've chosen and worked on. Uh-huh. Well, my reason <laughs> is that I think Bill is just too vain mm. about his looks. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want, like, he thinks that the way he looks just himself is pretty much perfect. And, you know, I'm not arguing with that. No. I'm just saying. And to, to put some beard on it or a mustache or anything would detract from the look. That gilding has, the lily. It would be totally gilding the lily. Absolutely. So okay. That's my reasoning. If Bill thinks he looks perfect, explain the clothes. You know, <laughs> who's looking at his body? They're looking at the face. It's the face. It's the face. It's the face. Yeah. That's what I think. So I'm curious to see what other well, people think. Well, and you know, in third season, I think it was third season where they, you know, changed his hair mm-hmm. so it looked a little more 60s ish. Mm-hmm. It never looked as good. No. So, and it was a little more casual mm-hmm. look. It just never looked as, as good on him. No, no. So I, I think that that's the way he feels about his face. Mm-hmm. You just have to see. I don't know if he still feels that way now. Yeah. Probably not. Probably what appeals to him now about the idea of the scruffy look is not shaving. Yeah. Not realizing that you do shave and in a very specific <laughs> way so you keep the scruffy look. Yeah, it takes more time, in fact, yeah. to look like that than it does to just shave your face. Right. Yeah. I don't think I have ever seen a picture of him with a real mustache or a beard or anything. You know, he had that cheeseoid mustache in uh, Columbo or when he was right, there. Right, right. I think maybe in... in, in um, a Barbary Coast uh, right. have yeah. disguises, but never actual facial hair that he grew himself on purpose. No, I don't think I've don't ever think seen so. that either. So if anybody knows where there's pictures of Bill with, with a real one, real, yeah. real mustache, beard, etc., I'd like to see that. Yeah. You know, it, you wonder in, in his family scrapbook, did he ever do that on holiday or, uh-huh. you know, just when he was camping or whatever? Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. 
Well, now we've stared at each other. I know. I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying in my mind to picture what he would look like, and I can't quite make well, it. Well, I'm happen. sure someone will Photoshop it for <laughs> us. And then he'll end up looking like a rabbi or something. <laughs> May, yeah, maybe that's why he's never gone for uh, that. that could be. <laughs> and the long the curly the curls, locks, yeah, yeah exactly. that might work. Okay. Do you have another item? Oh, yeah. I want to talk about the, this dream that I did post and got a couple fun comments oh, on. Okay. And for those of you who aren't reading the dreams of Rome Shatner, I will read it to you. Um, this was a dream I had uh, just a couple weeks ago. What's worse than getting underwear for Christmas? Getting underwear for your Shatner dream. <laughs> I dreamed Bill and I were shopping for underwear for me. Not lingerie, not delicates, not sexy Victoria's Secret Frederick of Hollywood pussy fernalia. Underwear. Like cotton six-in-a-pack Hanes with comfort waistband. <laughs> Bill liked the ones with the ladybugs. A new low in Shatner dreams. <laughs> ladybugs. So I got a couple of fun comments, and um, let's see. The first one came from Itty. Mm -hmm. Let's see. And she says, maybe he has a fetish for cotton and ladybugs. It could be kinky. I mean, what man goes panty shopping with a woman anyway? <laughs> there has to be more to it. You're just repressing it because it was way hot and kinky and your mom was driving by and freaked out your memory and you blocked it in some weird Freudian way. <laughs> I'll agree with that. Okay. Now, here is a comment that uh, was posted to the blog, and this came from Girl 6. Yay! Actually... You were shopping for white panties to go under that short pleated skirt he likes ah, you to wear. There you go. You see, Bill was born during the Depression. Why waste money at Victoria's Secret when he's just going to shred them when he rips them <laughs> off with his teeth anyway? Logical. <laughs> I like that. I got to say, I got a real uh, warm glow with the rips them off with his teeth. Mm -hmm. that, that thing. The white cotton still is not working for me, but... Uh -huh. Bill ripping my underwear off with his teeth is... Because uh, he would. He would. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. He's a man. <laughs> I like that. That's yeah, that was, that was really good. So just a reminder, everybody, um, you know, go read those dreams and send us your dreams because I will post them. Mm -hmm. we we got to collect them. Definitely. Well, it's it's pretty good, that blog. I mean, we've mm -hmm. got a lot of stuff there. That's right. I wish that I had more dreams. In fact, I did have a dream and... Bill was only in it for a second, and I barely remember what the context was, mm -hmm. except that I was at a wedding reception, and he was leading the conga line. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. He, it was like a cameo appearance. If there was a conga line, Bill would be well, leading Well, yeah, it. of course. <laughs> and he was kind of wearing like a big patterned Hawaiian shirt and, and being like Ricky Ricardo, kind of dancing like this, and, <laughs> you know, doing the hand rotation thing, and... Everybody was following. And shaking the shoulders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> that was it. I mean, it was part of a much longer, not as much fun dream, but that was it. So. Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, so, let's see. The thing, the one thing I have is kind of longish, so I could do that now. or Yeah, you... go ahead. Okay. So, this is marginally Trek related, and it gets, I'll tell you the Trek stuff at the end. Um this was posted to a blog that I read called Feringula, which is about science, and the guy who writes it happens to be a big science fiction fan. And he also blogs about political things. So he was talking about what happened in California recently. You probably read this in the paper, that there were these two um, morons who said that they wanted their 
um, state marriage license to call them bride and groom because they weren't satisfied with party A and party B. It was clearly like homophobic right. crap. And the state kind of caved into them in a mm-hmm. way. It's not that bad because you can still check bride and bride and groom and groom or whatever right, you right. want to do. So um, he was saying that this is stupid. And uh, people in the comments were responding that um, you should expand on this. So this one guy posted this this comment, which he had blogged about. He said he was at um, Minicon, a science fiction convention in Minneapolis. He says, I noticed that the public suites had two single-user bathrooms each. Now, in the U.S., you hardly ever see two bathrooms next to each other that aren't labeled men and women. So these were unlabeled bathrooms. Oh, Um, even if they're identical in every respect. Somehow these bathrooms had been missed. Their doors were blank. I decided to remedy this oversight, but not with anything as mundane as men and women. And so instead I made up signs with other sets of opposites. Carbon, silicon. (laughs) Oxygen, methane. Oviparous, viviparous. As the con progressed, people got the idea, and I let the the signs get stranger. Officers, gentlemen. Number one, number two. Max, eunuchs. And then it goes on and on and on, and people started putting their own suggestions in here. Um, so we have uh, a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll, <laughs> romantic classical, with us, with the terrorists. <laughs> Tastes great, less filling, floor wax, dessert topping. Oh, I love it. X, not X. <laughs> and then one where only one is labeled, and it says, use other bathroom, with a sign pointing to the other one. <laughs> and nothing on the other one. That's good. Um Let's see. Let me get to these. Okay. Hal, mother, face hugger host, uh, Marvin, deep thought, Cordy, Diverac, Ionic, covalent. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, strange, charmed, mat- matter, antimatter, pitcher, catcher, <laughs> plus one, minus one, real, imaginary. <laughs> Wait. It keeps going. These are great. Um, let's see. Coffee, tea, Coke, Pepsi, itchy, scratchy. <laughs> Audi, any okay? Elvis, the Colonel, Scully, Mulder, <laughs> Sacred, Profane, Sugar, Salt, Shiny, Happy, Freak, Geek, um, Salamander, Newt, and then some people just did punctuation marks so that it was like a an exclamation point and a question mark there. Um, <laughs> let's see, <laughs> um, Stoic, Epicurean, Shit, Shinola. <laughs> Transcendent, ineffable, nature, nurture, tight end, wide receiver, even, odd, phantasmagorical, mundane, uh, Lenny, squiggy, ACDC, whiskey, whiskey with an E and whiskey without an E, um, <laughs> boss, husband, raw, cooked, um, let's see, heads, tails, NP, okay, I'm getting there, and then there's a whole bunch more physics ones, and then shaken, stirred, dazed, confused, action, adventure, um, knowledge, power, twirling, whirling, left, right, up, down, I can't believe all the things that people came Mm -hmm. up with in here, Um, (laughs) Broadway, Hollywood, (laughs) Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, fiction, nonfiction, dogs, cats, uh, electric, acoustic, Fusion, Fission, Hostess, Little Debbies, Beatles, Stones. <laughs> it just goes on and on. Oh, and this is my favorite. Dr. Miracle Worker. <laughs> and I think further down, somebody did Dr. Bricklayer. <laughs> yep, that's it. There we yep, go. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, Dr. Miracle Worker, Dr. Bricklayer, Dr. Escalator. <laughs> 
Oh, that's great. So, yeah, I think those were all the Trek ones. But I just thought that was so funny. And, and they posted that without a comment to explain it, just mm-hmm. assuming that everybody else would get it, which was the best part of it. So, there you go. So wow. That's, that's how you So, nobody put, like, Kirk Picard? Oh, let me check. Let me do a quick thing for Kirk. Jack? No, nobody did Kirk wow. Picard. I can't believe they missed that, but... Dr. Miracle Worker was pretty funny. <laughs> For those of you who can't see what's going on, the dog is actively joining the podcast yes, now. Exactly. <laughs> sitting right next to you. You're a good podcasting doggy. <laughs> so anyway. Well, that's really good. Um, I have one that's kind of long, but I want to read it too. Okay. Um, let's see. This is from, let's see if it's okay to say people's names. Mary Crawford. And, um, hi, Mary. Hi, Mary. And, uh, well, part of it I'll read you offline, but anyway, she says, uh, when I first watched Trek, I was your typical Spock fan, and I still am, but now that I rewatched the show, I'm just falling over myself with amazement at how gorgeous Bill is <laughs> in classic <laughs> of Trek. Of course. I've always loved Kirk's character, too, mind you, and just hated KS stories where it was clear that Kirk was only in the story to admire the perfection of Spock. <gasps> but how did I never notice those eyelashes, that little sideways flirty look, Ooh. that smile, and, of course, that butt... <laughs> Like a peach. <laughs> now, Mary went and played the Star Trek 20 Questions game. Oh, cool. And um, <laughs> this is great. I have to read this. Just for fun, here's my experience of playing the game where my answer was Kirk's dick. <laughs> As you can see, it took more than 20 questions. And she put her comments in. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this because it's so funny. Is it a sentient being, place, or thing? Thing. Though some claim could be made that Kirk's dick is sentient. I, I would argue for that. Could it fit in Odo's bucket? <laughs> yes. And ew, I'm so not going there. Does it help with communications? Maybe. This is a tough one. Does it improve Uhura's mood when she sees Kirk is, shall we say, pleased to see her? Oh, I think so. I bet it does. Yeah. Does it give a good first impression? Oh, yes. absolutely, 100%. Yes, times a million. Yes. Does it understand more than three languages? <laughs> no. It only needs one language of its own, which it speaks perfectly. Mm-hmm. Has it ever considered joining the Q continuum? <laughs> no. Q's lost. Is it known for its physical strength? Oh, yes. Yes. Absolutely. Is it ever? Also, I swear I am not making these questions up. <laughs> Is it good with a phaser? No. But it can be used instead of a phaser. Uh To stun people. Could it be trusted with a phaser? Oh, I don't think so. Doubtful. Honestly, what is their obsession with phasers? (laughs) Don't they realize the much more potent weapon is in Kirk's pants? Is it designed to kill? Maybe. Clearly a trick question. Has it ever been beamed aboard the Enterprise? Yes. Does it shine? (laughs) Unknown. What do you girls think? Do you think it shines? I think it depends on the lighting. It Kirk has its light. own light, yeah. Kirk Dick light. Kirk, exactly. Kirk yep. Dick light, yep. yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think instead of shine, I would say glow. Yeah. It glows. Yeah. Yeah. Does it make others laugh? <laughs> <laughs> yes, if others include us lowly EVE watchers. Does it ever compromise crew's safety? Yes, not least by distracting them from their duties. <laughs> would it feel out of place on Earth? No. Would it feel out of place anywhere in the universe? She made this one up. No. Is it worn? No. Is it edible? Oh. Another trick question. 
I am guessing that it is a tribble. No, I swear that's what it came up with. Oh, my God. Is there much information about it? Yes, certainly many potential sources of information. I am guessing that it is Scotch whiskey. (laughs) No, you poor deprived program. Really? I am guessing that it is Latinum. No. No. Has it made great contributions to space exploration? Yes, has it ever. Does it require specific knowledge to use it? Yes. Um, I am guessing that it is dilithium crystals. (laughs) No, I am starting to suspect that a Vulcan programmed this game. Does it make strange noises? Define strange. (laughs) Is it it mechanically inclined? (laughs) Sometimes. Raina, Andrea. (laughs) Uh I am guessing that it is an isolinear optical chip. No. What? (laughs) I don't know. Was it involved in the Dominion War? No. Is it useless without its gadgets? Um, no. Define gadget. <laughs> Is that like a French tickler or something? I don't know. Maybe it's a, you know, a code word for balls. Oh, could be. I am guessing that it is bioneural gel packs. <laughs> no, but that sounds like a masturbation aid. <laughs> I am guessing that it is Malcolm Reed. <laughs> what the fuck? What were you thinking? Kirk Stick, that's where the program gave up, and I supplied the answer. (laughs) Then it says, I didn't get it. How human of me. You win. Clearly, I was right, and the game was programmed by a Vulcan. (laughs) That's great. So I like that. So basically, she pranked it. She did. (laughs) She did. She won. And uh, she used one of the most important things on Star Trek. Absolutely. And 20 questions. Flunked. Well, what good is it then? I well, it was Useless. fun. It was fun. That's it was true. fun. Yeah, entertainment purposes. Um, I have one more short thing mm-hmm. that we could do, and then we should probably take a little break. Sure. So this was from a blog called uh, Tech Republic, GeekendTechRepublic.com, and um, the name of this article is the worst science fiction TV shows. <laughs> so I'll tell you what they are. Okay. Um, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Yep. Uh, Manimal. <laughs> Which they always made fun of on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, Airwolf. I don't even remember that. Holmes and Yo-Yo. <laughs> I never even heard of that. Auto Man. I no. never heard of that. Space 1999, which I watched as people who listened to the mm-hmm. last show heard. My brother and I used to watch that all the time. Uh, Logan's Run. They made a TV show. I didn't know they Run. did yeah. that. Okay. Crusade, which was created by um, J. Michael Straczynski, and I don't know anything about that. Um, Kolchak the Night Stalker, which I thought was great. I never watched I it. I love that show, so I think that they're fucked on that one, because it was really good. Um, Misfits of Science, which I never watched. Uh, v, the series. Did you ever watch V? Um, Reptile Aliens. Yeah, I saw the... Uh, was it a movie first? Yes. Yes, and I saw the movie, but I never watched the series. Okay. And The Star Lost, um, which I can't remember if I ever watched. And then... Wait, they didn't put Lost in Space? I can't believe they didn't That put was Lost absolute crap. And then finally, Star Trek Enterprise makes Okay. List. So let me read you what they have to say about this. The brainchild of Brennan Braga and Rick Berman. <laughs> we follow the adventures of Captain Jonathan Archer, Scott Bakula, um, depicting the mostly human crew zipping about the galaxy at Warp Factor 5. The crew faces situations that have been encountered numerous times in other Trek series, but are new for them, which has to make the whole series the longest-running fanboy joke of all time. 
<laughs> the producers had the final laugh when it was revealed in the last episode, These Are the Voyages, and possibly the whole series, was a hollow desk presentation being watched by Commander Riker and Deanna Troy. The low ratings killed the series after four seasons and may well have finally made any potential new Trek show in future episodes impossible. An ugly, ugly end for the franchise. Paramount Studio Security should nerf Bat Braga and Berman <laughs> if they ever dare to show their faces on the lot again. I think they should tase them. I totally agree. So, anyway, I just thought that that was interesting that Enterprise yep. made that list. Well, yeah, it sucked. Yeah. So that's my stuff. Okay. For now. So let's take a little break. Yeah, we've got music. we've got plenty plenty of more, stuff. In more fact, stuff. Um, I think this whole show is going to be um, about emails and, and postings and, yeah. and things that listeners have made us aware of. Because oh, we love our listeners. Okay. We'll be right back. Okay. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Things Bill wants you to know. Email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. Show notes at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the Sci-Fi Podcast Network. You found the best podcasts in the universe. Shh, the podcast dog is sleeping. Okay, we'll be very, very quiet. <laughs> I don't see how he could fall asleep. He just climbed right up next to me and he's totally passed out. Well, and this sofa you're sitting on is where he's supposed to sleep. Oh, okay. And, and since I'm on it, that makes it better? Yeah, that makes it, oh, <laughs> heaven. That's so funny. Well, let's talk a little bit about that last episode that I put up there. Right. The interview with your brother. Um, I have to say, I just loved that. It was so, you know, I never get to listen to our show as a listener because uh-huh. I always, you know, know what we did, hopefully. But um, that was all new to me. And I found it so interesting and entertaining that he had a different take on a, a lot of things. And he was very well-spoken and, and good at explaining his thoughts. But I have to tell you, the part that made me laugh the hardest was when he was talking and, and doing his impression of the Kirk McCoy <laughs> argument where they're whispering, and, I'm going to break you up with that. <laughs> That just made me laugh so hard. He really sounded like them. It was funny. It was so funny. <laughs> also, when he was saying, even Spock looks like wah, 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 wah. <laughs> it's true. Well, we were we had been um, in his living room just watching that episode a little bit because he's just got those DVDs. Mm-hmm. And we were watching that, that scene, and we were also watching the part where the guy flips out. And laughing at how bad it was. That, yes. Like, he just goes from being all normal to suddenly he's totally, he's like, careening around the bridge going, wow, we're all going to die. Wouldn't you love to see his psycho file? Oh, God. <laughs> it was really funny. Well, I'm so glad that I got to talk with him because, you know, um, we were a weird family with all the science fiction influence and all that. And I, I just remember that. Um, we had this long tradition of watching Star Trek together, and then when he moved out and I moved out, we kind of, you know, didn't do much Trek stuff, but since we've been talking about the episodes and since I've been doing the podcast, it's kind of come up more. 
And um, so I, I was just, I felt really good that he was able to tell me also mm -hmm. all the stuff that I didn't know. Like, I really, I was too young to know that he had this Star Trek club with his friend Mark. Oh, I know. That was, was so like, cool. That is so awesome. I didn't realize that he'd done that. It was almost like they had their own little podcast in uh -huh. 1967. <laughs> sure a number of people had things like that. I'm sure. I'm sure. So it was great. And I really do want to talk to him. You know, we agreed that when the new movie comes out, we're both going to go see it and then we'll talk. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we can get him on Skype yeah. to see what he thought about that. Well, one of the other things that was very interesting to me was um, him talking about what a big event the motion picture was mm -hmm. when that came out. Because at the time that came out, um, my, my truckiness was sort of in a latency period. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really on TV and... I mean, I enjoyed it, but, you know, wasn't obsessed with it or anything. And I was thinking, oh, a Star Trek movie, that might be interesting. And then the reviews came out and said it was, you know, just crap. It was mm -hmm. so bad. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to go see that then because I have these great memories of the show mm -hmm. and I don't want them sullied by this, this crap thing. And, uh, and then when Wrath of Khan came out and I heard that was good, I did eventually go see that mm -hmm. in its run. I wasn't in line on the first day. And... I, I adored Wrath of Khan. Mm -hmm. I didn't see the motion picture until, I don't know, years later. Oh. And I went, yeah, this is ooh, <laughs> ooh, long and boring. Not, not Star Trek at all. But I remember watching Wrath of Khan, which was so character rich. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, this is what I wanted Star Trek to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, you could see, I, I think... What they tried to do when they made the first motion picture, kind of like my brother was saying, was that they were trying to expand all of the things that they couldn't do in the TV show, mm -hmm. which was a lot of special effects, yeah. a lot more space stuff, mm -hmm. a lot more of just, um, you know, how could we do a story so big that we could never do it on TV? And, and that's what they did. And a lot of their influence, I think, was drawn from things like 2001 Space Odyssey, where it was really the focus was on the technology because that was the point he was trying to make that, right. you know, in this future, in the movie, people are like robots and the only interesting stuff is really about the spaceships and that's why they get the good music and the people get nothing <laughs> and they all dress in gray and, you know, and that was the statement of the movie. But I think they, they really overlooked the fact that in Trek that doesn't work because that was never the basis for it. It was always about the characters. Mm -hmm. So you can add in cool special effects like they've done with the right. remastered stuff but you can't ever let it do that at the expense of the characters in the story and, and what they need to convey. Well, and the other thing I think they kind of forgot is that, it's sort of what you're saying, it was the characters that sustained the show mm -hmm. from episode to episode. But also, that was such a departure for serious TV sci-fi. Everything up until then that was serious, mm -hmm. I'm not talking about Lost in Space, was um, an anthology. Mm -hmm. And so, of course... It was character-driven because it was these same people week after week dealing with the technology, dealing with the problems of being in space. But it was about them, you know, all of them human mm -hmm. beings except for Spock, and that was was part of the the interplay. That's one of the things you will encounter. And it was nice that the aliens weren't always the enemy. They had this great alien right on board the ship who was the yeah. captain's best friend and was a crucial member to have there. And to just kind of toss that so you could do, you know, all the ship porn and and that crap. Yeah, uh, and and they they didn't let the actors really inhabit those roles in, in the first movie. And I don't think that was important to them. Right. So um, it, it was almost like not watching 
Star Trek. I mean, it was the same actors, but they were in totally different uniforms, and it, the focus, the tone, the the story, everything was was so non-Trek. And mm -hmm. then when we got to Wrath of Khan, which was very much character focused, the mm -hmm. whole thing was driven by things they had done in the past. Yep, and and they, they and, and chickens coming home to roost, and bringing but bringing back all of the little touches and things mm -hmm. about those characters that you knew. I mean, the whole thing about Kirk. Being the only one who passes the Kobayashi Maru. I mean, yeah. that's Kirk, right? That's that all is about him. And that, that he won't tell anybody how he did it either. Is also, yeah. you know, very him. And just all the little moments that they let the actors have to show their relationships with mm -hmm. each other and their history with each other and the moments of humor and, and things that happened. That was what was really important. And, and it's, you know, it took them a whole movie to get back to that. You know, one of my absolute favorite moments in Wrath of Khan, I don't think I've ever brought this up on the air, and it's just such a small little touch, but it's so perfect, is the vanity moment where Kirk is going, is talking to Khan and he's going to look over the console and read what's on mm -hmm. um, Savick's console and he has to get out the glasses and he goes, Damn, and then puts them on. I love that. It's so Kirk, and it's so real mm -hmm. to have a moment like that in the big outer space crisis. Yep, yep. I, and I think I've mentioned this. My my favorite moment in that movie is when um, Kirk and Savick are in the elevator, and they're talking mm -hmm. about that. And and she leaves, and McCoy's barking at them. I was like, who the hell's been holding up this elevator? And he gets on, and then he kind of just turns to Kirk, and he goes, she changed her hair. <laughs> It's such a McCoy moment. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the story. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. It's just yeah. his character. That's exactly what he would say in that situation. And then that Kirk's response is, oh, I didn't, I didn't yeah, notice. Yeah. And it's really funny. You almost get the impression, and if you look back over the series, that Kirk wanted to deny at least to Spock and McCoy that he was such a hound. Mm -hmm. Because I was doing some screen caps the other week from uh, Mirror, Mirror. And I got, you know, to the end where Spock says, you know, have you mm -hmm. met her before? Oh, no, no. I just thought she seemed like a nice, <laughs> likable girl. We could become friends. And Spock's looking at him like, you're not fooling me, <laughs> you pussy hound. Exactly. And that's part of their relationship, right, is that they can tease him about it mm -hmm. while he can continue to deny it. Yeah, what are you guys talking about? about? So I just love that. I think stuff like that is what really made it worth mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And, and there was a, I mean, I, I think maybe you get a lot more of that in the even-numbered movies. <laughs> <laughs> Although I continue to like Search for Spock a lot because it is Kirk, 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 you know? This is true. Everybody else is along for the ride, but mm -hmm. it's Kirk's show. It's yeah. his mission. Yeah. And, yes, and then I think the, the reason it failed in five which is also a lot of Kirk, 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 mm -hmm. Kirk, is because um, he was trying too hard to make that happen. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that was where the genius of the relationship came about was that the writers and the actors kind of just let it happen. Mm -hmm. And in five, it feels very forced. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing around the campfire and all that, it just, it's so set up and artificial. It's like, this isn't going to happen. Uh, and, you know, and I, I, I hate that campfire scene. Yeah. And I was really surprised when someone... Um, who I know who's a long-time Trek fan and has been involved in fandom forever mm -hmm. and adores Kirk, was saying how much she loved it because mm -hmm. it was like straight out of fanfic. They're going camping together. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And they, it just didn't seem characteristic of them. No. No, not at straight all. Straight out of fanfic. It is straight out of fanfic. And it just it didn't work for me for that reason. Yeah. So. But anyway, I did love um, all your brother's comments. And oh, I, I just... 
thought it was great. It was also, too, because you and I have this tendency to go, oh, well, with the guys are always looking at the ships and what, <laughs> if, how fast is warp eight actually and things like that, you know, and we kind of slam them for that. And he was like in that, that mid-ground, obviously mm. not watching it for, you know, to pick out <laughs> Kirk's dick, but still seeing it as a story, as character-driven, mm-hmm. not totally into, well, she didn't push that button the last time she mm-hmm. did this, you know, that sort of thing, so... Yeah. Yeah, it was it was really good. I was glad that we finally got to talk about a lot of that stuff. And, uh, you know, it, it's weird when you talk to your siblings as adults as opposed to when you're kids. Mm-hmm. So we hadn't talked about any of those things as adults, I think, ever. So the only bad thing about it was that I was pretty much laughing like a fangirl at everything he was saying <laughs> just because he's my older brother. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Oh, but that's wonderful. <laughs> that was great. So, so that was great. And mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk to him more. Okay. That'll be good. Okay, should we look at another email? Oh, let's look at another email. Okay, this is interesting because it came from someone named Susan Phillips, but that's not who it's from. So someone was using (laughs) Susan's email. Um, Hi, not Susan. Yeah, well, this person does tell us his name. Listen to this. Hi, girls. Name's Joseph Campbell. (gasps) Really? I thought he was dead. (laughs) He's back from the dead. He's back from the dead to talk to us. But you could call me Joe. Oh, hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. Um, I've been listening for a long time. But I've been a, a Trek fan for even longer. Your show helped me getting to work. One show is one trip to work. I listen to it again on my way oh, home. Wow. Unfortunately, I've missed your show for a while due to the dreaded downsizing. That's not a good thing to say about a guy, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about me. Let's get to the reason I'm writing this communique. A. I think this guy's a tech writer. Oh, okay. <laughs> he should start with one, though, not A. Well... No? I don't know. We don't know where he's from. Okay. Okay. Yet. Anyway, maybe they they use A. <laughs> Wait, you know the story about Bill dividing the audience into groups, A, B, and 3. <laughs> okay. Have you heard of a group called Warp 11? Yes, yes. we have. I, isn't that one of the Sacramento groups? It is. Okay. It is. He says, I feel that this group is right up your alley. They do Trek-based songs very much like Filk, many with a definite Shatner emphasis. Mm-hmm. They can be found at Warp11.com, and you can get the albums off iTunes or oh, Amazon. Wow. Hey, that's awesome. Um, we do have at least one Warp 11 song. We do. We do. And we've never met them. No, we haven't. But um, Oh, wow. I'm looking one. at their website, and it's very... Uh, it's very trekish. <laughs> Gee, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Cool. So we're going to have to check that out a little more. Yeah. Yeah, see what, what else is there. Okay, B. <laughs> Dragon Con. As a director of the hospitality suite at Dragon Con for the past 18 years, oh, wow. I feel that this convention would also be right up your alley. It's held in Atlanta, Georgia mm-hmm. over the Labor Day weekend mm-hmm. every year. You would definitely fit in on the Trek track and or the podcasting track of programming or just hanging out at the bar. This year, the attendance was officially 30,000 plus. Mm-hmm. Add another 17 to that number for next year. Oh, man. 30,017. Maybe they add 17,000 people every year. Oh, my God. Um, I had heard of Dragon Con. I have never attended it. Have you been to a Dragon Con? I have not been there because it's uh, over in Georgia. But I've heard a lot about it, and they have um, 
a lot of science fiction specific programming. They often get big name guests to be there, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And this year they had for the first time um, a skeptics track, which was oh. all about skepticism in science, and they mm-hmm. had magicians come and stuff like that. It sounded awesome. It sounded really wow. Great. So we, I absolutely think it would be the thing that we could do would just be expensive because we have to fly back. It there. would be. And the other thing is, um, we're semi committed. Mm-hmm. Not officially, nobody's invited us to be on a panel or anything, but that is uh, the same time of year that Creation Con is in Vegas, and Bill's going to be there this year. Right. So, I don't know, maybe, you know, we're going to have to juggle things and and see if we win the lottery and can go to both or something, but that's wonderful, and thank you so much for inviting us, Joe. It does sound like a lot of fun. Um, I will mention the one uh, song that we have by Warp 11 is Everything I Do, I Do with William Shatner. Yes, yes, we have that one. Okay. C. Have you heard of Klingons versus Furries? What is that? This is the second year running, I believe, of a bowling tournament. Oh, my God. Between the two. You can find it on YouTube. I'll be sending you photos (gasps) of this year's and a photo of myself in full regalia. I haven't looked at the photo yet. You know, this really sounds geeky. But I digress. <laughs> we would love to see you guys at Dragon Con. Yes, I know it's in Atlanta. Yes, I know it's in the summer. Yes, I know it's expensive. But the people watching but the people watching is unbelievable. It's not like San Diego Comic Con. There is a nightlife. I usually call Dragon Con a relaxicon on steroids. Let me rephrase that. A relaxicon on mega steroids. But hey, I'm just the cook. So, what do you think? Just another emissary for Dragon Con, Joe Campbell. Well, Joe, it certainly does sound intriguing. And now I'm going to look at the pictures. Or, or here's one picture that he sent us. Uh-huh. Ooh! Hey, hey, Joe is all dressed up as a Klingon, and he is a good-looking guy. Bowling? What? He's bowling? No, he's, <laughs> he's holding um, a big thing called a pixie sticks. Oh, wow. But he's a good-looking guy. Whoa, I like that hat. Yeah, he's, he's got like a, a Shriner's hat. It's a, yeah, it's a Fez. red Fez. Wow. But, but uh, actually, he's not just as Klingon. He's got, um, he's got a Starfleet he's uniform He's got a Starfleet on. uniform on. Wow. I like that. He looks good. He, he does. Really good. He does. He looks like the real thing. He does. He's... So, no, there's not a picture of him bowling, but I am intrigued to hear about the bowling, so maybe we'll find that on YouTube. Oh, that's great. Um. W- I have something to share with us um, when you have a break in the action there. <laughs> well, that was it. I just wanted to read um, Joe's email because I thought Dragon Con sounded very interesting and Klingons versus Furries. Oh, I love that. Pretty interesting. That sounds really, really good. <laughs> well, here's a site um, in a similar vein that was passed. I forget where I read about this, but it's called Klingons for Jesus. <laughs> so here, I'll just show you the homepage very quickly. <laughs> It's got a a Klingon Jesus carrying a cross, and it says, Let me ask you two simple questions. Are you a Klingon? Are you aware that Jesus is the Klingon Messiah? You may be thinking to yourself, Me worship Jesus, but I'm a Klingon. In fact, not only should Klingons worship Jesus, but Jesus is the Messiah the Klingons have been waiting for all along. Do you like torture? Have the Klingons been waiting for a Messiah? (laughs) Do you like torture? Well, Jesus was tortured for days and days on the cross, and we at Klingons for Jesus encourage you to look at pictures of it. Uh, you know who belongs to this? Who? Mel Gibson. Oh, probably. Do you like war and conquest? Jesus' followers conquered most of the known world, enslaving and colonizing it country by country and forcing its inhabitants <laughs> to worship Jesus. And we here at Klingons for Jesus are carrying on his mission. <laughs> oh, no. 
<laughs> Do you like killing people? <laughs> yes! Jesus' followers have massacred hundreds of millions of people throughout history. Christians are the biggest killers in the universe. <laughs> As a Christian, you'll be able to go on crusades and murder millions for no other reason than, than that their religion or their version of Christianity is different than yours. Now, doesn't that sound like fun? Yes! <laughs> Does it say how many members they have? Oh, let me see. Well, it just, Is this kind of like Jews for Jesus, but it's Klingons? It's so funny. Why don't you follow the prime directive and respect other cultures? This is from their frequently asked mm. questions. Our only prime directive is Jesus. Um, <laughs> and the prime directive doesn't necessarily apply to Klingons. Oh, no. <laughs> it just goes on and on. It's really, it's very funny. Um, so let's see. There's a whole section on theology, um, issues... War on Christmas, uh, let's see, war on Bill O'Reilly, <laughs> war on decency. <laughs> and, and then there's just plain silly stuff in there. Um, as Christians, we are wholly and utterly opposed to the vile creatures known as the, the vile creature known as the duck, which fornicates in public places and sheds its feathers. Therefore, we immediately declare a war on ducks to be known as duck hunting season. Yay and amen. <laughs> So anyway, it's it's very funny. That is very Klingons funny. for Jesus. It's Klingonsforjesus.50webs.com. That's pretty good. It really it's quite offensive and it really made me laugh. <laughs> Do you want to um, read that other posting where a person was talking about um, <laughs> yeah uh, a mock time? I will. Um, and let's see. <laughs> that was to, fun because it was pretty funny. I have to say no. I got to find it. Let's see. Um, so there's a couple of live journals that are uh, I subscribe to that are about TOS. So someone posted this to TOS as a serious question. And, you know, when people are new fans, sometimes they don't quite get everything. So here's what it said. This is a question to the people who read it. Last night, as I was on my way to bed, these are things Star Trek fans think about. It occurred to me that, as much as I love Amok Time, I have even considered it my favorite episode, it contains a very big logical flaw. Of course, this flaw is what provides the episode's premise, so without it, the episode would not exist. T'Pring states that she doesn't want to be the consort of a legend. She wants Stan. <laughs> she says that only by invol invoking Fi can she get what she wants. How's that? She says herself that if Spock had won, she would still have Stan. So why couldn't she just have married Spock without invoking Califi and had Stan? The only difference is the risk to Spock's and Kirk's lives. She makes it sound as if she is a slave to, to tradition, that she had no choice, but then points out that she is not, that she was getting Stan either way. Is it that she wants to marry Stan free and clear? She didn't sound too interested in respectability, but perhaps that's it. You know what's interesting about that? Is this person gets Califi and Tapring and all these other things right. But Stan. But Stan. <laughs> so those mean, other guys who came in with him are his bowling buddies? Uh, Larry. <laughs> Stan, Larry, Joe. Phil. Phil. Marvin. Marvin. Leo. Stan. So now whenever we watch that episode, I'm going to go, look, Stan. <laughs> so now we have Stan. And scotchy. And scotchy. <laughs> oh, my God. That was just so funny. Yep. Stan. And nobody corrected her. <laughs> Did they respond and all, all refer to you know, him as Stan? At, at several days after this, uh, nobody had responded. They might have responded to her privately. And I didn't have the heart to correct her in public like that. Yeah. Because that would have been mean. <laughs> Stan. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, let's do one more thing because this is too fabulous. Um, 
Jamie Dunst sent us Jamie this. Jamie Dunst. Some links to some Shatner news. Ooh. And um, two of them I knew, but this one I did not know about. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's on the MTV Movie Blog exclusive. Oh, I like exclusive. William Shatner voices Santa in most messed up Christmas special ever. Oh, Bill. Okay. As Captain Kirk, William Shatner has saved the world on more than a few occasions. <laughs> but could anything possibly prepare him for having to save Christmas? <laughs> we better hope so. Writer, producer, Die hard, die hard Godfather Stephen D'Souza laughed because the holiday season is about to get seriously messed up. No, really messed up. <laughs> as in so messed up, the term messed up doesn't even do it justice. Shatner will star as the voice of Santa Claus in D'Souza's Rankin-Bass-esque animated <laughs> Gotta Catch Santa, the filmmaker revealed, detailing a science fiction fantasy plot which owes as much to quantum mechanics as it does to Christmas cheer. Okay. You know the emails you always get around Christmas that explain why Santa Claus can't really exist? Not because there's no such thing as Santa Claus, but because in order to carry that payload of toys on reentry, the reindeers would burn up. <laughs> Yep. And then there's a formula that proves this. <laughs> or other messages say that the problem isn't reentry but launch. And there's a formula about the energy a healthy male reindeer wouldn't be able to produce, D'Souza asked. Well, we start with a bunch of brainy kids kicking this idea around. And they stumble upon the actual method Santa uses, which involves quantum mechanics and a lot of dialogue that only William Shatner can say. Mm-hmm. And by attempting to get a photograph of Santa in order to win a contest or to prove his existence, they say, we'll just delay him for 10 seconds when he's here at our chimney. But we're dealing with quantum physics here. You know this collider they just opened up in France? People said, that's going to bring about the end of the world. Well, it's not the collider. It's stopping Santa on his appointed rounds. It's the end of the world as we know it. Only the kids can save the holiday season Sorry, by joining up with Santa to stop an existential threat to our universe from entities that only an animator can provide because they're too horrible to describe. D'Souza laughed. What kind of entities? Think Frosty meets, and I can't even pronounce this, C-T-H-U-L-H-U. Oh, Cthulhu. Okay, D'Souza said. <laughs> Gotta Catch Santa will air on a major network this Christmas. That should be good. Bill as Santa. Oh, I like Bill as Santa. He would probably play it sort of um, Denny Crane-ish, I think, Mm -hmm. which would be good. I'd like that. But he's going to have a lot of of techno-speak dialogue. He he can do that. He can totally do that. He can totally do that. We know this. But I think that's great. I I might actually write a letter to Santa this year and tell him what I want. And tell him how good you've been. Yeah. I have been really good this year, Santa. It's true. I'm even wearing my white cat and panties. <laughs> With the ladybugs. <laughs> With the ladybugs. With the ladybugs. <laughs> Ooh, I ladybugs. like ladybugs. <laughs> so, Jamie, thank you for that. And the thing is, you know, I get this daily update of Shatner News, you uh-huh. know, one of those web searches. This has not appeared on that. That's so weird. Well... They were right. It was exclusive. Totally. So exclusive. <laughs> nobody else picked it up. I'm really, really glad to get this. So we're going to be watching for Gotta Catch Santa. Gotta Catch Santa. Um, okay. Let's take another break. I want to say one other thing, and I'm going to leave this as being very mysterious. Ooh. But um, Scott Adams, thank you. Thank you, <gasps> Scott. It's a big shout out to Scott Adams because he helped me out with something. Ooh. Are you going to tell us what it is? Uh, eventually, yeah. Oh, okay. But that's. I just wanted to say thanks to Scott. Well, thanks, Scott, <laughs> for whatever. For just being you. For just being you. 
Uh, okay, let's take a break, and then we'll come back with more stuff. Okay. Cue the music. radio expression oh okay and this is like radio it's like radio but it's not yeah it's an internet radio show mm-hmm so you had something you wanted to read I do so I can't believe you don't remember this but um, that's okay. I can totally believe I don't remember it. okay well wait a minute now I have to find it um, you sent me email that's and it's it, the subject header was how to make a transporter <laughs> okay. okay and then the email says this came to me in a dream I realized that you could do the transporter effect on stage, say, if you were producing Star Trek, the musical. You have the transporter platform upstage center and the controls downstage may be off to the side. You use smoke and mirrors, like a magician does, to make the people in the transporter disappear. The lights go out and in the dark, the entire set changes and when the lights come back up, the smoke and mirrors reveal them standing in the same place, but now they're now wherever they beam to. Then I realized, ah, dream insights, that from the point of view of the beaming person, this is exactly what happens. <laughs> they don't move. The universe moves around them. In my dream, when I told you this, you ran off half-cocked to produce Star Trek the Musical, <laughs> even though we have no script, music, actors, or directors. Don't get any ideas. <laughs> you don't remember this email? I remember it now, but it's like, I must have written that the minute I woke up, because obviously, in the email, I'm thinking this is a great idea, and I'm sitting here thinking, oh my God, was I stoned? <laughs> really funny <laughs> okay wow okay your turn oh my turn okay turn. let's see um all right this um came from cuvmo <gasps> yay and it says toy with no batteries oh, okay honestly i was only looking at meditation chairs but after seeing this it made me wonder if data and wesley ever had a night shift at the bridge lounge chairs and um this is at well i'm going to click it and show it to you and we'll post a link and then i'll uh okay it's it takes a second to stop okay oh i hear music <gasps> oh wow look at that chair yeah so it's a fucking chair we're watching porn right now yes and the there are tantra chair the tantra chair like on tantalus yeah and maybe you can do this because i can't do it upside down but there are four different movies wow so right now what we're watching is a chair that looks kind of like um a, a very comfortable lounging chair and there's a guy sitting in it and there's a woman um presumably sitting on his cock mm -hmm. that he's fucking right now and they look like normal people which is kind of nice yeah Okay, that was movie number one. Let's see movie number two. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Okay, so this time he's laying down with his head sort of at the foot of the chair. And she's, again, sitting on top of him with her back um, against the top of the chair. And they're meeting in the middle somewhere. 
Yeah. That looks good. I think this is a great piece of furniture. Okay, let's go to the next one. Let's see what this one's about. Sex chair products. Oh, okay. So now she's laying on the top of the chair and he's standing up and he's doing her while he's standing. Yeah, and it, like she's sort of, her head is hanging down where yeah. the chair slopes and ooh, I bet he's really getting good penetration. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So now um, she's laying on the chair and he's going down on her. That looks good. Uh-huh. You'd have to have a pretty flexible back to do that, though, if you were the woman. Yeah. If you had back problems, that might be painful. It might be good for it, though. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Being eaten is always good for well, what else, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're all relaxed and everything, so. There's one more movie. Let's, let's click it. Oh, okay, oh, wait, wait. There's another one. Oh, this is just more uh, yeah. her laying on her back. Okay. He doesn't have any hair on his legs. What's yeah. up with that? Probably a swimmer. Oh. Okay, so this time he is leaning back on the top of the chair, and she doesn't really look like she's sucking his dick. No. <laughs> I guess they couldn't be that explicit. I guess not. But it, it, it's, um, baby, let's get, um, what is interesting and ties into Cubemo's co comment is it does look like it's made out of the same stuff it as does. the bridge lounge chairs they in TNG. They look exactly like those chairs. I completely agree with that statement. So they had some leftover fabric and made some of <laughs> they these. They made some. There are people watching Star Trek and going, you know, those would make really good fucking chairs. Yeah. We should do that. The fucking chairs. Fucking chairs. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. So, thanks, Cuvmo. Definitely. How much do these chairs cost? Oh, let's I don't know. Let's just check. Purchase. Let's, let's go to purchase. That'll turn off the porn music. Oh, they're $1,199. Wow. And after you have the sex, he carries you piggy piggyback on a beach. But on a beach, yeah. Yeah. I like that. There's probably um, a horse there somewhere, too. I bet you could get somebody to make one of those chairs for less than that. I'm sure. I'm sure. Nice chair, though. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. If you had a big luxury sort of um, art deco bedroom. Mm-hmm. To have one of those yeah, in it. it. So it would kind of look like a chaise lounge, mm -hmm. but you would know. Definitely. You could put it like opposite the swing. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, those people do look happy. They do. They look very happy. Well, they were getting paid a lot oh, of money. The decorative nail heads <laughs> come in pewter or antique brass. Uh-huh. And the colors, you oh, get different colors in the chair. Coffee, sunflower, linen, ebony, pistachio, Cinnabar. Oh, well, that seems really nice. Mm -hmm. A thousand dollars for a fucking chair. A fucking chair. I want for a thousand dollars. It should vibrate. Are the fabrics cleanable? Yes. <laughs> I should hope so. With mild soap and water, they never lose their luster. Oh. It's seventy inches and weighs approximately seventy pounds. It's shipped via freight. The box we use is completely unmarked for your privacy. Doesn't even have your address on it. And the delivery company will call you up to snicker. Um, there's a warranty. That's good. Warranties wow. are always good. So, um, <gasps> wow, there's a position guide. Ooh. Wow. That's oh, good. I'm going to be exploring this uh, website more. There's, you can download the printable brochure. This is very cool. Very cool. We are glad to have it. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it'll inspire a fanfic. I did have a story where Brant bought a chair and they fucked in it, but it wasn't like that. It was a more normal chair. Okay. You know, in Star Trek II, uh, 
No, is it in Star Trek 1? When they're in Kirk's apartment, he has a chair that's kind of like that. A loungy chair. Are they in his apartment in 1? Is it in 1 or 2? See, I can't remember. It's in 3, where they're having the toast to Spock and Sarek comes in? No, not that one. Is it that one? Oh my God, I'm I'm so like they, I can't they're remember. They're never in his apartment in two. Okay, well then it must be three. I have to check it out. And there, there's he and McCoy are sitting in chairs like that. <gasps> You're right. <laughs> he has two of them. Yeah. Oh my God. We're gonna have to find a screen cap of that. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Maybe for the final episode of Boston Legal, they'll have those chairs on the balcony. Oh, that would be that so would be major awesome. cool. That'd be in fact, they could go out to the balcony and their normal chairs are gone and there's just one of those. <gasps> eee! That would be major cool. That would be funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I had just a quick thing. You sent me a link to this and um, this is really cool, but unfortunately it hasn't been updated. This is the Star Trek guest star database. Oh, yes. Which is really a neat idea, but the guy who made it hasn't really updated it since 2005, unfortunately. Oh. So he went to the trouble of putting together a database for all of the guest stars that have been on TOS and... Um, you can look. There's a searchable function there, so you can display them all, or you can search by one, two, three. And then he was going to go and fe- put in information about like where mm-hmm. they've been and if they were alive or dead and all that. But um, although there's a lot of really nice screen caps, they're just um, there's not that much information. So I think maybe he just kind of didn't have time to go yeah. ahead and fill out the rest. Well, of it, I've sent him some information about um, Marianne Hill, uh-huh. who played Helen Noel. Uh-huh. That's cool. I'm just going to click on some people randomly. He's got it listed either by character name or by actor name. Hmm. Yeah. He just has kind of birth and death information, which is good. And some nice screen caps. So anyway, just thought I'd mention it. Dude, who who put this together, can you get it finished? Yeah. Because this would be useful. It sure would. I don't even know what the guy's name is who did this because I can't find it. Trekgueststars.pski.net. Hmm. Nope. Nope. Okay. Okay, I have one more thing. Okay. Oh, and then I have a really quick thing to round this off, which will make you laugh a lot. Okay, good, because so. this is, this would be like a, a good deed if someone could do this. Okay. Know of a good home for some Trek zines. <gasps> this came to us from someone named Jonathan. And Jonathan says, a longtime listener, first-time emailer. Anyway, I'm a Trek fan, of course, and immediately thought of you two when I read this. Um... The following was posted to a librarian listserv to which I subscribe. I thought you might have a better idea of libraries or other places with fanfic zine collections. Mm-hmm. And here's the the message that was posted. Um, okay. I am looking for a university archives that would be interested in the donation of a large 300 plus Star Trek fanzines, primarily from the KS universe. Mm-hmm. In addition, I have a large collection of stories published on the internet from about 2001 to the present that have been printed out and filed in notebooks. I have approached two universities that I happen to know had a pop culture program and both were clearly not interested. 
Hmm. As I am a retired librarian who is gradually working to downsize my living space, I need to get rid of my collection. I could sell most of the zines online to other readers, but had hoped to keep the collection together and in a place where it would someday be available to scholars. The hundreds of internet stories will end up in the recycling bin oh. if I can't find a home for oh. them. If you know of any institution that might be interested in this donation, I would greatly appreciate your guidance. This is so ringing a bell in my head. Okay, um, it's also saying she has been contacted by other collectors, but is more interested in this collection going to archives. Yeah. Um, hold on a second. I'm, I'm doing this even as we speak. Um, and then, can I say her name? I guess. It, real name or pen name is the thing. Well, this looks like a real name. Uh, maybe you shouldn't. Okay, because I was going to say, it sounds a little familiar to me. Yeah. Um, I remember that at one point there had been a private organization that was trying to build a lending library of zines. There is a lending yeah, library yeah. of zines. So, and they were looking for people to donate to it. So that is one option. The other is, I'm just kind of looking around, um, Temple University has fanzines. And I don't know if they're still looking for donations to that or mm. not. Um, and I could have sworn that some, I read about something else. I'm sorry. I'm well, thinking. the KS Press has a lending library for their members yeah. of KS-only zines. And it really sounds like she wants her whole collection to yeah, stay yeah, together yeah. and to be available um, to more people than just the members of the, yeah. the KS Press. Okay, so there's a couple. Here we go. I can put the link in. If you go to Wikipedia and look up science fiction fanzine, let's see if I can find it here. Temple University has a fanzine collection, and there's also one at Syracuse University. Ugh. And unfortunately, the Temple page is not up right now, but mm. you could probably call them or, or send email. So um, go there and see what you can find, but it would be great if other people actually had the better information. Right. So I think that there are places that would accept such an amazing thing. Okay, so um, Jonathan... You, you'll want to point her in the direction of Syracuse University yeah. and Temple University. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully those are not the two she has contacted who said no. Yeah. Um, but she said they had a pop culture program. I don't know. So, um, or listeners, if any of you know of any place that would, you know, like this collection and would keep it together and mm -hmm. make it available for people to read and study or whatever... Uh, you know, let us know, mm -hmm. and we'll talk about it. Definitely. And hopefully the, this collection does not end up in the trash or just going out piecemeal. Yeah. So we'll try, we'll do what we can to help with that. Yeah. that's definitely a good cause. Yeah. For sure. Okay. So this would be the last thing? The thing yes, that I you have, have one little All right. thing more. So let me back up and explain how this happened. Um, so I was watching old episodes of Speed Racer. Yes. <laughs> on DVD. They're yeah, horrible. they're really bad, but I wanted to watch them because I love Speed Racer. And by the way, the new movie that came out this past year, Speed Racer, I thought was hilarious and great, and I just loved it. So I was kind of like thinking about the the original show, and and on the DVD they have stuff about how it was brought to the United States and who was responsible for it. And they had like three voice actors who worked and did all of the voices that they had mm -hmm. on this. And one of them was a woman named Corinne Orr. And she did all of the female voices and a couple of the kids' voices too. And, and she's really good. So I looked her up and, you know, she did, um, she was on soap operas and she did Speed Racer and she did Star Blazers and Ultraman. 
Um, she's just done voices and voices over the years, lots and lots of stuff. And I, you know, I went to her website and I looked at her picture here, and she's very, you know, she's cute. Uh huh. She's, she you know, is she's cute. getting on in, in yeah. years by now, but she's very cute. And I was like, well, I wonder where she came from. So I read her her biography. She was born in Montreal, Quebec, in Canada. By the age of 14, Corinne was working with the Montreal Repertory Theater and Montreal's Mountain Playhouse Ensemble, acting along such notables as Barry Morse, Christopher Plummer, and William William Shatner! Shatner! (laughs) I think Bill did her. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She's cute. She's very cute. (laughs) So, Bill is everywhere. I mean, such a random connection I'm reading this, and I was like, oh, of course. Of course. Of course she worked with Bill back then, and they mm-hmm. slept together because they did. Because that was, that was and is Bill's thing. That was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that just made me laugh. Yeah, well, I think that's great. I wish someday we could interview someone Bill did who was really <sighs> willing to talk about the doing. Maybe the, the belly dancer. Maybe. She wrote about it in her book. I don't yeah. see why she wouldn't want to talk to us about it. Yeah. But do you think she'd get offended if we asked her all kinds of really specific questions? Well, that's what I'm saying. I want to be someone who will answer <laughs> all those questions and not go, I'm not going to answer that. Because we'd want to know. Yeah. Specifics. And if they said, and it's not something you put on the air, we'd say, okay, we just need to know. We just need to know. Right. For and our then own we'll paraphrase. Self. Yeah. <laughs> How big is his dick? Yeah. <laughs> that's what we want to know have to know yeah why would you interview her if you didn't want to know <laughs> yeah just say to her look you know you're really nobody and this is the only thing that you'll ever be interviewed for so you know go for it this is your moment your 15 minutes of fame Bill doesn't care he would love it if people knew all this stuff really about him. he would he, he totally would, would. <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> all right let's wrap this up okay <laughs> And I think next show will definitely be episode review. Oh, yeah. yeah we haven't absolutely. done that in a while. Okay. Oh, look. Jack's still asleep. <laughs> Say goodnight, podcasting dog. Woof.